Shut up and sit down. I'm Dr. Corbin Weaver, an OB-GYN resident. I'm Dr. Katie Wyatt, and I'm one too. And I'm Dave Etler, their podfather. And, and we, we are, are the Vagabonds. Three friends venturing through the world of feminism and healthcare for women, babies, and people of all kinds. We don't give medical advice, and we don't speak for anyone other than ourselves. We're just recording conversations we'd be having in bars anyway. Hello, and welcome to the Vagabonds. Today... We're going to be talking about pregnancies of unknown locations, what they are, how they're diagnosed, and what we do about them. So stay tuned. Ooh. Ooh. Unknown locations. Pregnancy of unknown location. What do you think a pregnancy of unknown location is, Dave? I'm going to go with a... So basically, you're showing symptoms of pregnancy... Your hormones are fluctuating as uh, they would if you were pregnant in a known location, like your uterus, <laughs> in the usual place, except yeah. that there ain't no baby in there. You look in there, and there's no baby. That and can be true, and that that's kind of true. You're kind of there. You're kind of on. But then you look else. Maybe you look elsewhere, and there's a baby. Maybe outside well, in, in the fallopian tube. Anymore. Maybe in a, it would be it, that location would be known, Dave. Well, well, I mean, it starts out as unknown. Do you mean it, it forever remains unknown? No, no. See, so I know what I'm talking about. Dave is like, "Fuck you guys." <laughs> I'm fighting back. <laughs> um, Dave is feisty. Yeah. Um, so a pregnancy of unknown location is exactly what it says it is. A pregnancy of unknown. So it means that you have positive. You've had a pro- a lady has had a positive pregnancy test. However, by ultrasound examination, we can't tell where that pregnancy is located. So how is that possible? I think. That's that. That is a great question, Corbin. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Corbin's just running the podcast herself now. She's done. It's all me. We've broken. <laughs> um, all pregnancies, if you look early enough, are pregnancies of unknown location because our technology can't keep up with the human body. <laughs> yeah, suck it, technology. Yeah. So I think sometimes people think that like. At least this is the way I thought before I went to med school is like, oh, you think you have your pneumonia? Get you, just get a chest x-ray and it'll definitely tell you. Or like, you think you're pregnant? Just get an ultrasound. It'll definitely tell you. And actually, that's not true because there's something called a discriminatory zone, which is basically the level of which your ultrasound can start seeing pregnancies in your belly or, you know, like... A ultrasound can only see so many things like and at a certain point pregnancies are like basically microscopic so or they're not mi- implanted yet or they're not implanted yet so you might not be able to see a pregnancy on ultrasound and essentially that's what a pregnancy of unknown location is um the only thing that makes a pregnancy of unknown location um also take a shot every time i say pregnancy of unknown location <laughs> we would um, die <laughs> yeah. Special from any other pregnancy is that actually pregnancies can go to other places that's not the uterus that are not the uterus like the belly or the tube. Um 90% of ectopic pregnancies are in the tube. An ectopic pregnancy is basically any pregnancy that's not in the uterus. Um 
Um, they can be in the tube or they can be in the belly. Also, um, a pregnancy of unknown location could be something called the molar pregnancy, which is the weirdest thing you've never heard of. Yeah, it's real strange and I hate it so much. Yeah. It's very scary and it's a mess. It's very um, scary. And it can also be on the ovary. That's my other Beyond the place. ovary. One to two percent of ectopic pregnancies are on the ovary. You're not going to tell me where what a molar pregnancy is? My 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 what interest mo- is peaked. So a molar pregnancy is basically when usually okay, it's either complete mole or partial mole, and basically a complete <laughs> mole is where like usually an enucleated egg, so just an egg without any like chromosomes or whatever, like gets an egg with no yolk. Yeah, an egg with no yolk. But not at it's all like that. um egg white omelet. <laughs> um, <laughs> it kind of does look like an egg white omelet to be fair on ultrasound. Yeah, true that. Um, so you basically, it gets inseminated with either one sperm that duplicates or two sperms. Um, and then basically it creates this like weird amalgam of like essentially tissue, Hmm. just like pregnancy tissue. And it's, um, it's like trophoblastic. So it's like basically pregnancy tissue is the best way to describe without getting into the nitty gritty details. Like yeah. pre-placental uh, tissue, kind of. Yeah, pre-placental yeah. tissue. Yeah. Uh, is that it, does sound a good bizarre. Description of it, um, and so basically that tissue will like grow and grow and grow, and it can also become essentially a cancer. A cancer, really, not essentially a cancer. A cancer um, called choriocarcinoma, and so you have to have like some sort of intervention, usually a DNC, um, but you can also use methotrexate. Um, or DNC and methotrexate well, that- um, to get rid of it because otherwise it turns into cancer hmm. or it can turn into cancer. So, well, that is pretty bizarre. There's also partial moles, which is like an egg with two sperms, either like a duplicated or just so. Yeah. Wow. This could be a viable pregnancy too. Yeah, you can have a viable yeah. pregnancy in a mole. Hey, should we should we yeah. mention that Jillian's back? Yeah. Jill- oh yeah, Jillian's back. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> she's just hanging out. Hi, Jillian. <laughs> Julian is back with us. Woo. Thank you for joining us for a second show. Yeah. Um, we should do a whole episode on moles, though, because they're real fucked up. They are fucked up. And yeah, it's like literally something that nobody realizes that you have until that are a thing until you have it or you go to med school. Yeah. Um, so why are, why do we need to know pregnancies of unknown locations? I'm going to just start calling them PULs because yeah. this is mouthful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have to follow them essentially because they could be dangerous. Like until you can say, yes, there is a pregnancy in this uterus. Like you can't rule out an ectopic. And then if someone ruptures their ectopic, like when they're at home, they could die. So should we say why you can die? Because yes. You're like, okay. So when you form a placenta, you form all these blood connections between the maternal blood and the fetal blood and so basically if that the uterine wall is like set up for that specifically and grows like special arteries for that so if you have a a pregnancy that's somewhere that's not inside the uterus it's like trying to form all these blood vessels into a structure that isn't set up for that and so then it like outgrows its blood supply and then the blood vessels pop and then they pop into your belly and then they like kill you because of like shock and like peritonitis that doesn't sound good yeah, it's really scary. It's not good. It's like, I mean, it's a true emergency for sure. Yeah. Like, it's not uncommon that a lady will, like, have three liters of blood in her belly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can bleed out from it. Yeah. So, um... But, like, bleed in because it's in your belly. Yeah, bleed in. <laughs> I'm so bleed sorry. out in, in your belly. 
<laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, pregnancies of unknown locations are often identified when like someone who someone comes to the ER basically for like vaginal bleeding or abdominal pelvic pain, abdominal pain, and then they take a pregnancy, get a pregnancy test and they're, you know, positive. Uh, or it's, it can happen just if someone like incidentally gets a positive pregnancy test when they're like at the doctor's for another reason or whatever. So you especially want to follow these like pregnancies of unknown locations if like, yeah, people are symptomatic. So they're having belly pain, they're having bleeding. So what is the protocol for following pregnancies of unknown locations? So we follow basically the hormone that's created by the placenta, human, I'm not going to say the word because, yeah, thank you. Yep, that's right. I just can't say it. Um, (laughs) As we like to call it, HCG. Um, And so basically you follow the like numerical value of that like hormone. But only the beta subunit. This is my favorite fun fact. (laughs) Yeah. Because the alpha subunit is the same as TSH. And LH and FSH. And FSH. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Except, um, did you know that it's actually the homology homology between the beta subunits of TSH and FSH that causes the thyroid changes in pregnancy? Fun fact. Yeah. I always thought it was the alpha, but it's actually the beta. And we just lost half our listeners. We're Sorry. <laughs> Get over it. Um, so anyway, uh, you get it. So most of the time when like for most people, when they go to the doctor and they get a pregnancy test, like usually they'll get a t- qualitative pregnancy test. So they'll say yes or no. Yes, pregnant. No, not pregnant. But when you're following a pregnancy of unknown location, you need a quantitative number because like I was talking about earlier, there's a discriminatory zone. So the number at which you should see interuterine pregnancy, a pregnancy in the uterus. And if not, you need to be more concerned. Now there's like some exception to that with like twin gestations, um, bad dating, et cetera. But it's kind of like an inexact science, but, and there's like a lot of controversy, take a shot about, um, (laughs) about, uh what that number should be but like ACOG has determined that like you should set a conservatively high um discriminatory zone at 3500 so that's kind of the level we say like oh if you're like much above this like you we should be seeing an intrauterine pregnancy and if not like we need to be concerned about something outside your uterus or like maybe a mole or something like that so Did they just changed the discriminatory zone yeah they yeah it. yeah they just 3,000 now, I think. We were talking about that the other day, that are we going to miss early ectopics? I don't know. Because of the discriminatory zone? Yeah. The higher? Mm -hmm. I don't know, because you should still be following your patient with, like, serial ultrasounds and, like, quants Mm -hmm. you know like if you have a if you have a pregnancy of unknown location you should be seeing that patient every 48 hours right so unless you're here and then you you never see them again you lose (laughs) to all follow up all the time yeah so i mean because that's and that's why i can like that's my job right now i like make sure these people come in every 48 hours and if not i harass them but I mean, there is times where it's like, okay, this is probably an IUP and we're just like making this person who has like a quant of like 100 come in like all the time, even though this is like probably an IUP and it's just really obnoxious for everybody. But 
Because most of the time the outcome is IUP, right? Intrauterine pregnancy. But if you don't know, you don't know. And so and the, so we expect that, basically we expect around a 48 hour doubling time of your quant level. So um, that's kind of like you can do the math of like how long it would take, you know, to get the get to the get to the discriminatory zone. But it could be, you know, people coming at, back every 48 hours for a while. But um, so can I ask a question here? Yes. Yeah. It seems like uh, so how, what percentage of the people who come to you who turn out to be pregnant? What percentage of those are PUL? Are you? Mm, oh, yeah, I don't know. Because my my thought a pretty small number, not very many. Oh, okay. Because I was thinking that it's usually an ER consult. Yeah. Because I was thinking that you know because it takes a while to be able to detect on ultrasound a fetus. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it would seem like a lot of patients would come in where you couldn't say for sure that it was intrauterine. So I feel like a lot of times it's an incidental finding that you get an ER consult for. So like someone came in for something else and you just do a pregnancy test because you like want to know, cause that could change your treatment sure. of a patient. And so then you find out they're pregnant, then you do an ultrasound and you don't see anything. So then you're like, well, do they have a IUP or do they have an ectopic or you have someone who presents for abdominal pain and vaginal bleeding. And then you're looking for an ectopic. Yeah. Most people yeah. who just have normal pregnancies. They, you know, don't even really have pregnancy symptoms until the time that we could see it on ultrasound. Anyway. I see. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. And if someone like has in whole pregnancy tests, like they don't always necessarily like come right into the doctor. Yeah. They and most of the like time they won't up. even schedule them like until you're supposed to be like eight, nine weeks or whatever. Yeah. That's what I was Oh saying. yeah. Like, that makes you call sense. call your doctor's office. Yeah. We tell you to like wait if, like four weeks or whatever. That rings a bell from mm-hmm. my experience. Yeah. So, um, once you, and yeah, you just, so most of the PULs that end up, you know, being followed are, yeah, people that went to the ER for like pelvic pain, abdominal pain, bleeding. Um, so then per- perhaps the results are skewed more towards people with like non-viable pregnancies, but because of just like the circumstances, people end up coming in, you know, being followed for PULs, but I'm not sure on the solid numbers hmm. of that. But anyway, so you follow basically quants and ultrasound until you can see either like a pregnancy in the uterus or it becomes so high that you're like, yeah, I mean, there's no pregnancy here and this level isn't going down. So this is probably like an ectopic pregnancy. So basically, if you most of the time, if you have a PUL and your quant is hot, you know, past the discriminatory zone without any like IUP visualized, then you'd more than likely you do like an MVA, so which is a you know, manual vacuum ex- aspiration, um, and look for uterine contents. So that could tell us like someone who had an MVA like with a quant like way above the discriminatory zone with no IUP. They could basically be maybe that's like a mole that you would see once you um, took out the contents of the aspirated the contents of the uterus, and then or you could give them like. If you're like conservatively treating for an ectopic pregnancy, you could give them a medicine called methotrexate, which basically stops a pregnancy from growing outside of the uterus or inside or inside for that. Yeah, (laughs) in general, but for the cases of ectopic. Yeah. 
Um, so um, those are some options. I was going to say is that you can also diet. Like the other thing that can happen with the pregnancy of unknown location is like on ultrasound, you could also find a mass in an adnexa. So like in an ovary or a tube, that's like, yeah looks like a pregnancy and then you can diagnose it based on that too yeah you yeah you might see a mass um and like some it can be kind of hard to diagnose because i mean you can like make a presumptive diagnosis obviously but like sometimes like an ectopic pregnancy may like like a corpus luteum might like cyst which is basically a cyst that forms after you ovulate and would be present like if someone was pregnant um could uh look like an ectopic pregnancy and vice versa so i mean at that point you can all if you have this like mass and you're at nexus so one side of the uterus or the other or the belly or whatever you can always do a diagnostic laparoscopy um which uh basically you just like take a look in the belly with cameras and your lap laparoscopy equipment and then remove anything that's concerning for an ectopic pregnancy so um yeah there's that there is a level that like methotrexate won't really work for and that's like 10,000 is basically the quant level which you're like mm, methotrexate probably isn't going to work for this ectopic pregnancy and so you should consider doing i mean you can try methotrexate but you that point your kind of like hand is forced yeah there's also other criteria too like if it's greater than eight weeks gestation or if it has a heartbeat Mm -hmm. um and some other things yeah it's less likely to work and um so when we talk about like an iup the first thing that you see in iup is it's called the gestational sac and then you kind of start to see like the yolk sac and then basically the fetal pole, which is like what becomes the fetus. So, I mean, and there are like different, like there's like a lot of specifications about like if you see a gestational sac at like, you know, 2.5 centimeters, but you see no yolk sac or fetal pole, then it's like a not viable pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So, and I won't really get into the nitty gritty details of all of that, but, um, there can also be something called this called so, something called a pseudo sac, which is basically a fluid collection inside the uterus, um, in the cases of ectopic pregnancy. So that can kind of be like a confounder of a PUL or ectopic, but usually, I mean, at a certain point in a certain level, even if you see this like sac in the uterus, if your sac is like 2.5 centimeters and there's no fetal pole yolk sac, you can very confidently diagnose a non-viable pregnancy. Yeah, there's like a whole and list so, of guidelines for stuff like that. Yeah. And so I'm just trying to get across that it's like complicated, you know? <laughs> yeah. But um, it's not like straightforward. Um and once people have ectopic pregnancy they're more likely to have a second ectopic pregnancy so um basically because of like scar tissue formation and all that jazz so yeah um and we were talking about this earlier but it's like an actual kind it's not like a emergency emergency but it's like a urgency like take care of it that day thing Mm -hmm. yeah and yesterday i was on call this weekend well, and by on call, I mean, I was working this weekend at the hospital <laughs> and there was no call involved. <laughs> um, but we went, took somebody back for an ectopic on Saturday. So it was fun, but yeah. good for we her. Took one, yeah. She's better now. I had a patient in triage on that, or Saturday night. I don't remember what day. 
but she came in for rule out labor and she had a history of an ectopic pregnancy when she was in Puerto Rico and they had to do the surgery so emergently that they gave her a laparotomy. Jesus. Yeah, so she had a massive scar. That can happen. Yeah. A laparotomy is a big scar, guys. Yeah, it's like scope means camera. So it's like minus the camera. So you just make a big incision. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I have to say about PULs. It's kind of interesting. We can add another thing to our list of uh, acronyms for Dave to know. Yeah, keeping track. I'm keeping track. We should have a we should have a we should have a quarterly quiz. Yeah, we really should. For Dave, (laughs) I'm gonna fail. Does it have to be stuff we've talked about on the podcast? I feel like if it it, yes. We'll do like a bonus round of stuff we haven't talked about. All right, and you get extra points. Totally. All right, that would be. I like that. That would be fantastic. I can't wait to see how much I fail at that. It'll be fun. I'm not feeling confident at all, to be honest with you. I find that uh, I'm a little worried about my memory in general. <laughs> I am too. My own though, not yours. Do you need some neurocognitive testing? Uh, maybe Dave? I do. Christine did, uh, what is the mental status exam? The MOCA? I think she did a MOCA on me and I failed once. No, you would not fail a MOCA. Well, <laughs> there's no way. I feel like. Count back from 100 by sevens. Oh, God. That involves math. Mm-hmm. Spell world. Spell the word world backwards. D-L-O-D-L-R-O-W. Yeah, I see you pass already. <laughs> Just a one. Can you identify the picture, a picture of a camel, a lion, and a, I don't remember what the other thing is. Can you draw a clock? Yeah. God, I remember go. way too much about this. There was situation. one question. I, I wish I could remember what. Remember the- these words. Apple. What is it? Apple table. Baseball or something. Chairs. Uh, no, remember. apple table. Clearly we something. don't remember though. Yeah. Apple table rose. Well, told us to make up our own words because a lot of times the patients like memorize remember, it. like yeah. memorize the words just because mm. they know they're supposed to, and it's not actually testing short-term recall. Uh, there was so. well, Christine. Christine has just popped into the office. Christ- hi, Christine. Uh, they say hi. Hi, Christine. Christine, hi. do you remember when you gave me that mental status exam? Was it Mocha? Yeah. Mocha. What was the question that I failed on? Oh, it's the like, uh, the like bicycle and yes. uh, whatever, and the yes. What? What are the similarities between the, the orange oh. and the? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a stupid question. That one is. That question made me. It is a little. Stupid. That question made me angry. I do have a Mocha account. I could look it up. That's all right. Why do you have a Mocha account, you weird? <laughs> I got it when I was on Psych because I had to. They had like the. Katie probably has a Mocha account too, and she just doesn't remember. No, because I didn't do Psych at Iowa. I did it in Des Moines. Oh, okay. Because they, you can, if you have an account which is free, you can download the like assessments or whatever. Oh yeah, because it's copyrighted. Okay, the question is, let's see. Also, this is copyrighted, so you know, don't sue us, please. <laughs> we have um, no money. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Similarity between... So the example... First, we give you an example. A banana and an orange. They're both fruits. Yep. Similarity between a train and a bicycle. They're both modes of transportation. Yeah. I, Similarity between a watch and a ruler. They both measure things. Yeah. So I think fail would be like if you said a train and a bicycle both had wheels. Yeah. And then like a watch and a ruler both true. had numbers. That's, well, that's, that's true. Concrete. It's about abstract thinking. Well, fuck. Well, that's stupid. You didn't tell me to add, think abstractly. Right. That's stupid. See, a better question. Occam's razor says like, that 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 the the answer that I would prefer, like they both have wheels and they both have numbers, is the correct answer because it's the simplest well, answer. I think it's just the kind of thinker you are. Well, how your brain processes. I'm a moron.
Shall we have news? Yeah, yes. let's hear the news. So I want to point out this article that I ran across on the BBC's uh, website um, about Guna Yala, the island where women make the rules. If you want to read this article, go to the BBC's travel section and search for Guna Yala, the island where women make the rules. Um, That's like my house. Well, there's even more, <laughs> perhaps. Uh, there is even more interesting than just women making rules, because after all, I'm sure women would make fine rule makers. But the most interesting thing about them is uh, is that there is a complete tolerance and celebration of gender fluidity. So. Uh, mm. Boys, especially, often transition and become girls, or at least they become seen as girls. Um, because, well, I don't know about because, but one of the things about this society is that uh, women are, um, as we, as the title suggests, women make the rules. Women are, it's a matriarchal society. So, but more interesting to me is that nobody really cares. Like boys just decide or feel like they are going to, that they are a woman and they, and they, and they are, nobody gives a crap. Um, they act and work like other females in the community. And it's sort of a third gender called, uh, Oh, I have no idea. Omegid. Omegid. O-M-E-G-G-I-D. Um, they uh, they learn a skill typically associated with, with women. Uh, become maybe Perhaps they become masters at crafting. Um, and they also um, become major influences uh, in the Guna society, um, much like um, men do in, in our society. Interesting. Yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. Hmm. Whole article on this over at the BBC's... Um, website. Sometimes girls transition to boys, but that's actually uh, pretty rare, um, but would be equally accepted um, by their society. I just kind of think that's cool. Hmm, that's cool. Um, so where is this island? It is in the Caribbean. Hmm. Oh. Uh, yeah, I failed to mention it. it is in the Caribbean. Um, it's in, uh, it's, uh, in an archipelago off Panama's eastern coast. Um, there are about 300 islands in that area, um, about 50 of which are inhabited by the Guna people. About 50,000 people. Hmm. So, interesting. Yeah. I thought that was pretty interesting. Sounds fun. Mm -hmm. Floping files? Do we have a floping file? Do we lose Corbin? I can do mine. Please. Mine is the video game Assassin's Creed. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that kind of old school at this point? No, there's lots of new ones. Oh, okay. I'm playing Assassin's Creed Syndicate right now. I think it's the first Assassin's Creed with a female character that you can play as. But it's very good. I We have almost all of the Assassin's Creed games, but uh, sometimes they really piss me off. Some of them are better than others, but this one is really good, so I'm enjoying it so far. I had one, it's but I failed. Relaxing. I had one, but I failed to write it down, so I might as well not have had one because, as we know... <laughs> My memory is absolutely terrible. I have another one. Sure, I have another one. Mine is um, Amy Poehler's book, Yes, Please. <gasps> I'm reading it right now, and it's just good and funny and, um, I don't know, tells stories about her life that I didn't know about. Like, didn't know that she was very into drugs in her early days, which mm. you don't really picture I from seeing her that. as, like, Leslie Nope on Parks and Rec, but 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm really enjoying them. Cool. I read that book. I totally forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Corpse? My uh, Flopping Files is getting enough sleep for the day. Ugh, I wish. <laughs> what we can all dream and inspire. It's, a, it's an have. aspiration at this point, yeah. Yep. I think I'm going to go sleep all night, even though I slept all day. Yeah. Worth it. That sounds nice. I guess that's how this show ends. Later, friends. We're glad you were listening today, listeners. We'd love to hear from you about today's show or any other topic. Visit thevagabonds.com. To get in touch with Katie and Corbin, or maybe even me, you could do that. Offer suggestions for future shows. Share your, your views on your world. Production editing was provided by me. Music was provided by bensound.com. We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.